Welcome to the Who's Hooping Podcast, hosted by Sean Crow and Kari Williams, where we discuss all things UVA men's basketball. We look forward to breaking down the current team, what's to come in the future, as well as some of our favorite and toughest Wahoo moments. We plan to give you guys the content you love to hear, whether you're a diehard fan that's been around forever, or you just found out about the team this past week. So stick around, lay back, and listen to two average guys tell you all about it. Welcome back to Who's Hoopin'. I believe this is Season 1, Episode 8. And perhaps we might call this the end of Season 1, um, as this brings the end of a 2022-2023 basketball season. This will be our sort of year in review slash uh, overview of the roster turnover so far. Kari, good to, good to get back into the flow of things here. How's it going? It's going good, man. But yeah, I think this still counts as season one, off-season pod. But, uh, you know, we got to end season one on a high note. We kind of ended uh, episode seven with some optimism that we need to uh, correct a little bit today. So this will be a nice way to kind of coattail it. Yeah. So we can just go ahead and get right into it. Obviously, it's it's been a while now since the season has ended. So we're not going to focus too much on the, the way the season ended. Um, but we should mention, you know, had a nice little run in the ACC tournament, beating UNC, kind of sealing their fate to knock them out of the bubble picture. And then a a really nice win over Clemson before losing to Duke and really a offensive struggle of a game in the ACC finals. And then uh, second round of the NCAA tournament, if you count the first four as the first round, a extremely painful loss to Furman, 67-68 on a de facto buzzer beater that came off of just a, a really tough way for Kihei Clark to end his career, kind of kind of throwing the ball away. Um, you know, it was an interesting first-round game. Really, uh, UVA had, had the game in full control, and then Furman switched that 1-3-1 zone and really just kind of threw us off, off Kelter a bit. And honestly, the interesting part was – we were totally phased and psyched out, but then UVA really did a nice job of kind of riding the ship uh, in the last couple minutes of the game. I think they went from like down three to up up four, and it, it looked like they were going to eke out a close one, but then just uh, some, some missed free throws and brutal turnover at the end. Um, so yeah, Kari, I guess, how did you feel about the way the season ended? And in general, what were your kind of reflections of the season do you think we got what we deserved do you think we underachieved overachieved what were some lasting takeaways you had from the season yeah so I mean I guess immediate reaction pain uh follow up from there this is familiar uh if you've been a UVA fan long enough it is not the first hopefully it might be the last time but first round exit seen them before us going a pretty bad scoring drought. Seen it before. Team get hot after us being up double figures and us somehow finding a way to lose. Seen it before. Um, it was just, it just felt like a UVA game in all the worst ways. Like, it reminded me of those times when, like, Tony Bennett was knocking on the door for, like, all right, he's got to get to a Final Four. How are we going to get there? Like, UVA keeps having the same issues. And it just felt like 
the turnover obviously is tragic and like what a wild way for Kihei to book in his career. Uh, first NCAA tournament appearance, or I guess first NCAA tournament run to have that magical pass to like Mamadi and then him have that incredible finish and then to end his career on just an awful turnover. Uh, for those listening back home, if you're in that situation, throw it straight up in the air or just hold it or call a timeout. A lot of things we could do there, but we're not here to break down the play for it. But yeah, man, just... Another tough one for the Who's. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, for me, when I kind of think about the season overall, uh, you know, it started with such optimism, you know, with the way we looked in the non-conference, particularly in Vegas against some pretty good competition. All in all, still a strong season, going 15-5, and five, finishing tied for first, uh, number two seed in the ACC. That being said, it did seem like this UVA team perhaps peaked a little bit too early. There were some inconsistencies and and troubling themes that emerged as the year went along. I think one would definitely be inconsistent outside shooting. Another would be a lack of people that were able to create their own shots. And then thirdly, kind of some – Interesting, perhaps troubling, um, like playing time rotation type decisions. Caden Shedrick sort of disappearing altogether. Vanderplas kind of struggling and, and being pretty inconsistent. Um, those are kind of some, some things that, as the year went along, I think limited the ceiling of this team and ultimately kind of led to this, this first-round exit which I think most UVA fans thought this team could at least make it to the round of 32, um, ideally a, a sweet 16 appearance. So, Kari, I guess, how do you feel about, um, you know, I know there were there was a lot of discussion about, you know, the Caden Shedrick, Ben Vanderplas kind of roster management decisions. How do you feel about how that played out and, you know, how that ultimately impacted the team's ceiling this year yeah <laughs> speaking of the team ceiling just kind of get back to the point about how i felt this year went um that's why i sum it up what happened in vegas stayed in vegas uh, i look back at that team that we were in vegas all like the hype around there i feel like just all season we kept coming back to the same thing of oh man if we just shoot like we were in vegas or if we find that magic that we had in vegas or if we like play the way we did if reese's vegas reese if everyone's shooting the way they need to with armand's vegas armand like just every part of the season, when we looked back, it all came back to Vegas and everything just happened to stay there. But in terms of roster management, I I don't know what to think about it. I think what's really tough is you see Caden Shedrick, he gets back in with the BVP injury and then he performs really well, looks really solid. And I do get that sometimes he's a defensive liability, sometimes he'd be more aggressive on offense. But then like you'll see flashes of brilliance where it just kind of makes you think like, how is this guy just buried at the – can't even see the floor? Um, so there are a few, like, head-scratching moments like that. And I think this season, I know Kihei is going to get a lot of, like, tough love for the pass and a lot of um, just unfair – I guess unfair hatred for five years. Fair criticism for a poor decision, but great point guard. But I think as a UVA fan base – 
This is not me going with the blasphemy of, oh, I don't trust in Tony Bennett, but I do think Tony Bennett needs to adjust a little bit. I think some of the problems that we saw this year and that played out with roster management or how we did things, and this isn't me saying, oh, we should have let Isaac Trout play. We'll get into that a bit more, and we'll talk about some of those roster decisions, but this isn't, oh, like we got to put the first year in or he's going to transfer, things of that nature, but more of, I just think the rotation sometimes can be a little bit tighter than they need to be. We still keep running into scoring droughts, and I don't think we really make adjustments as necessary. And I think a part of my criticism of I would like to see some improvement from both players and coaching staff is I feel like I've seen many UVA teams have the exact same story of get to the tournament, have a pretty large lead, and somehow I end that Thursday, Friday, or that Saturday or Sunday a very unhappy camper where somehow we found a way to lose by like a last second shot or we like found a way to give it away. I'm thinking about, uh, honestly, Syracuse is what comes to mind. That was a great team there. Um, the only team that really seemed to really figure out some of these like droughts was that championship team. I mean, you got to remember, we were down like, what, 16 to Gardner-Webb in the second half at one point. So I think I want to see some droughts being figured out next year. We'd love to see us have a bit more of a potent offense. And I think some of the roster decisions that we'll make hopefully this offseason will allow for some of those changes to occur. Yeah, de- definitely. So that's probably a good segue. Um, let's kind of get right into – it's been a very busy offseason thus far. So let's kind of transition from last year into next year and what we're, what we're seeing so far and, and what we think could happen. So in terms of, you know, who's, who's out, who's in, as far as people that either exhausted their eligibility or opted to go pro, we have Kihei Clark, Bennett Vanderplas, and Jaden Gardner, all outgoing as having exhausted their eligibility. Um, Fifth-year seniors for all three. And then Armand Franklin made the decision to declare for the NBA draft. All indications are he is not leaving open the possibility to return for Virginia. So I think safe to say at this point that Armand will definitely not be back next year. On the other hand, Reese Beekman declared for the draft. He did leave open the opportunity to return. So we're kind of, we're awaiting Reese's fate there. We've kind of seen the um, mock drafts currently. Most have him sort of mid to late second round, if at all, honestly. Uh, So I think most NBA evaluators would say for a prospect in Reese's position that they would benefit from coming back another year. You know, that being said, he's going to have to weigh that opportunity. You know, he could be looking at a a two-way contract or, you know, maybe a undrafted free agent situation, which there are certainly guys in the league that, have taken that route and been successful. You look at like Austin Reeves right now and what he's doing with the Lakers, but ultimately Reese is still 50, 50. And I think that kind of creates an interesting uh, approach to the off season for coach Bennett, because he kind of has to be prepared to field a team with Reese next year, but he also has to be prepared. If Reese doesn't come back, he's got to have a a lead point guard um, and adequate secondary ball handlers. And I think the work he has done so far has us in a, in a pretty good position to be prepared for a, a world in which Reese does not return. 
And then you look at who's incoming. We have signed two guys so far for the incoming high school recruiting class, and that's Elijah Gertrude and Blake Buchanan. Elijah Gertrude being a, a shooting guard, combo guard, um, who's coming off a torn ACL, but seems to be progressing nicely. Indications are that he will likely be able to play this upcoming season. And then Blake Buchanan being a center, big man from Idaho, believe it or not, uh, four-star who recently participated in the uh, Nike Hoop Summit with Team USA. Great development opportunity for him. So that is what we're looking at for outgoing and incoming before getting to the transfer portal. Should mention that there are two, two potential new additions for next year that we're kind of kind of following developments as they come up. But Blue Kane is a guard from the IMG Academy. Really strong player, top 100 recruit was a Georgia Tech commit, but then with Josh Passner uh, being let go, reopened his uh, recruitment. He did recently take a visit to UVA, is also considering Georgia and Florida, among maybe a few others. And then uh, Jaron Stevenson, who is currently a class of 2024, 6'10 guy, power forward from North Carolina. Interestingly, has some very strong ties to the UNC program but has recently been generating some buzz with recent visits and social media posts uh, from UVA. And it seems that there's a possibility that he could reclass to 2023, which would certainly be welcome news for, for UVA fans. So those are kind of two guys that were, that were deep in the mix for, but waiting to see if they pull the trigger and join UVA or um, decide to go with other options. And then we get into the transfer portal after that. So Isaac Trout will definitely get into this, but he is headed to Creighton. Uh, Francisco Caffaro headed to Santa Clara. And then Caden Shedrick, who we already talked about a little bit, has not yet made up his mind, but is considering Missouri, Duke, Texas, Kansas State, and Xavier. Um, and then incoming in the transfer portal, Dante Harris, who committed midseason last year, spent the second semester redshirting with the team from Georgetown as a point guard. Uh, Jordan Miner, big man from Merrimack in the NEC. And Andrew Rohde, a big guard from St. Thomas in Minnesota. So definitely a ton of moving parts here, Kari. A lot to, lot to keep track of. But I think right now we are at definitely nine scholarship players for the upcoming year and possibly 10 if Reese comes back I would definitely look for them to add one more big man whether that ends up being Jaron Stevenson or someone from the transfer portal you know we'll see um and then possibly you know another guard in a blue cane or you know whoever else is out there so that's a lot to digest Kari but I guess how are you feeling about you know, the, the moving pieces here and, and what's going out and what's coming in. Yeah. So I think the benefit of uh, recording this podcast on like April 19th is that we're not recording this podcast two weeks after the NCAA tournament. Cause it was actually a, just a bloodbath of an off season for that first month uh, following a really tough loss. Though, so, as you mentioned, we knew we were losing Kihei. We knew we were losing BVP. We knew we were losing Jaden Gardner, but 
Armand's not really on many draft boards, and I don't expect for him to hear his name called. And I know, like, NIL is always a big deal now. I don't know how bountiful it is at UVA. I know with a few of our top guys getting really good opportunities. Um, but he decided to move on with his career. I'm not sure if he's hired a um, – I guess, a professional agent. Um, for those that are unaware how the um, declaring process works, you can declare for the draft as a um, undergraduate or just if you do not have, if you are out of eligibility, you're already pretty much like in the draft, whatever, you're done with college. But if you have any eligibility left, you have to go through the declaring process and then you can either sign with an agent um, that is, NCAA approved, which allows you to maintain your status as an amateur, um, or you can go like, I don't know, sound like clutch sports or one of the big names and then get an agent, get paid, and then you are no longer an amateur because you are now being paid to play the sport. Um, NIL kind of blurs that water because you're getting paid to play the sport in college anyway with NIL, but I don't know, who knows? It's all a mess now anyway, but either way, Armand likely is gone as well too. Reese, I expect him to come back. As I mentioned, um, it always came back to, can we find that Vegas magic? And I don't think he ever really found it the rest of the year. He played really strong, obviously was ACC Defensive Player of the Year, but I think he has a lot to grow with being the dominant force. So I expect to see him back. The players are bringing in. Tony Bennett went out and found some athleticism. Uh, Elijah Gertrude, I haven't seen someone fly that high since Justin Anderson. Some of his highlights at that 6'3", 6'4", size really remind me of just Justin Anderson skying for alley-oops and JPJ. So I hope he brings that type of excitement and that edge back. I don't think UVA has really had that type of swagger to them in a while. Um, Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy brought a bit of an edge to them. Like They had a dog to them that was different from Justin Anderson. Um, theirs was tough plays, deep threes, like clutch baskets. But I don't think I ever really saw like – a Ty Jerome dunk at UVA and can't remember much of Kyle Guy dunking despite him being an all McDonald's All-American dunk contest participant uh, but for the guys coming in great guard and Gertrude hopefully he recovers well from the injury and then Blake Buchanan has some great athleticism so those have been set for a while I really like our current targets with Blue Kane um, was actually watching him play a little bit in the uh, Geico Nationals against um, oh who are they playing was they're it, playing uh... a team Sunrise Christian Academy in Kansas, or no, it wasn't Sunrise. It was um, oh, where did uh, guard for the Rockets go and play? Think of Jalen Green. Green oh, prolific prep, prolific prep. Um, shout out to my friend Caleb Vanderberg. He's acting assistant coach over there at Prolific Prep. So, um, I dropped the ball for getting about one of my good friends' um, current teams, but want to support him. And unfortunately, had to watch Blue Kane hit some tough baskets to think prolific prep in that game but i think really he had a, a half court buzzer beater for the win right it was something crazy it was definitely deep it was like volleyball on or something insane but prolific yeah. prep had been awesome all year long in img just a great performance for them and then for jaron stevenson he's been an awesome north carolina big hopefully i get a chance to check out some of his games um well Actually, I don't hope so. I think if he reclasses, I like our chances a lot more if he reclasses. Uh, if he does go back to high school, uh, I'd probably look forward to seeing him in a Tar Heel jersey pretty soon. So we'll see what happens. But once again, it was a wild, wild start to the transfer portal season. I think we still have some work to do. Uh, we can break down the guys that are on their way out that chose to exit via the transfer portal. 
I think so far we've lost more talent coming out than what we brought back in. Uh, Dante Harris, he'll be a solid guard. I don't expect him to be like a major contributing difference maker, like all ACC level. He could prove me wrong. He could surprise me. That's just not what I'm expecting. Um, Jordan Minor, we'll see the size, the conference he played in. The ACC physicality, I know it's a down year for the ACC and all the computer metrics like, oh, the ACC is not this, even though the ACC continues to make Final Fours and Elite Eights. But I want to see how he performs against some of those ACC bigs. It could be as successful as Jaden Gardner. It could be a situation where he kind of just is a solid contributor, but not a all-ACC performer. And then Andrew uh, Rohde, I think he actually has the best chance to be great. Um, big guard, uh, had a strong recruitment towards the end, scored on some pretty good splits. Three-point shooting could use some improvement, but he's a good free-throw shooter, and usually that means you have a pretty solid stroke going at least. So hopefully those can be some strong improvements. And he had a lot of people that are chasing after him. Um, Creighton, Wisconsin, Marquette, like you have a lot of just Big Ten, Big East royalty right, right there. So um, I think he should really be a good, good get for UVA. And I hope that this class can get one more supplemental big or one more supplemental guard to really help bring it back home. But as of now, I think we did take a pretty big step back and hopefully these pieces keep us competitive. But to dive in further, because uh, we want to talk about the things that hurt us more than things that uh, help us. Sean, what were your thoughts on some of the transfers out, particularly um, Isaac Trout heading out and then also Francisco Caffaro, um, or sorry, Francisco Caffaro hitting, not going pro and playing in Argentina? Yeah, so with, uh, with Caffaro, you know, definitely wish him all the best. Uh, definitely no hard feelings. You know, he was at UVA five years because he actually redshirted. So he's actually using a six-year at Santa Clara. Seems like a great opportunity for him to get some more minutes and go to go to college for a grad year in a beautiful part of the country. So definitely all the best for him. Uh, Trout, you know, that was definitely one that stung a bit. Um, you know, we don't have to dive too much into the specifics, but, you know, definitely UVA invested a lot in him, bringing him in and having him redshirt a year to, to develop. Um, you know, that was the big debate of UVA fan Twitter. Should he have redshirted? Did that in any way impact to his decision to transfer? You know, ultimately, it seems like there may have been some homesickness and his girlfriend is a volleyball player for Creighton. So I do think, uh, you know, some of some of that is definitely out of out of UVA's control. He may have left regardless. Uh, but it does sting to, you know, bring in a, a really promising prospect, 6'10", uh, with a great outside stroke, a true modern-day, like, stretch four. Kind of could have been the next Sam Hauser for us. And, and yeah, the, the uh, investment both that he made in UVA to sit out the year and that UVA made in him to sit out, have him sit out the year and develop and work with Mike Curtis to, to get stronger – so that one definitely hurt a lot. Um, seemed like he could have had a, a really big role next year with some of the departures that we had. Could have been looking at significant minutes at, at a minimum, possibly even a starting role. Um, so, yeah, there's no sugarcoating it. That one hurt a bit. Um, and then with, with Shedrick, you know, can't really blame him with the inconsistent role that he had. Um it would definitely be a bit of salt in the wound if he ends up at Duke. I think 
oh, UVA fans would not would not love that choice. I, I do think um, Texas could be a great opportunity for him. I think he's actually visiting there. He's visiting there in Missouri like yesterday and today or maybe today and tomorrow. So hopefully he ends up at Texas for our sake. But um, I'm a pretty big Shedrick guy myself. Uh, definitely he had some inconsistencies, struggled with confidence, didn't have the strongest hands, like kind of fumbled the ball a lot. But uh, he's a great rim protector, a great rim runner, and actually was the team's best free throw shooter this year and um, kind of had some untapped potential, I think, with his, with his jump shot. So that's one that also hurt me a bit was to see him leave. Um, I think for me, uh, I, I, I like the addition of Jordan Minor. I am, you know, cautiously optimistic about the fact that he's coming from a low major conference in the NEC. Um, he is six, eight, but it seems that he's, uh, a different player than Gardner for sure. Like, it seems like as of right now, they would have Jordan minor starting at the five. He would be a bit of an undersized five, but it does seem that he's a good rim protector despite that shorter height. And it seems like he's got some good verticality to him. You know, he did snacks 9.4 rebounds per game and have 2.6 blocks per game and was the defensive player of the year in the NEC. So hopefully those are, are factors that um, allow him to, to be a big defensive difference maker. That being said, I probably would be comfortable if – I would probably feel more comfortable if we had, you know, another like seven-footer in there or at least maybe Jaron Stevenson who's 6'10". Like it, it would make me feel a little more comfortable because right now Blake Buchanan would be the tallest guy on the roster next year at 6'9", 6'10". And – um I wouldn't want to have to always play small ball. So it would be nice to see if we can add one more big man um, with some more height there. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, I am stoked about Andrew Rohde myself. Uh, he's a guy that can really create his own shot. He was a summit league rookie of the year and was first team all summit league, 17 points per game has shown that he can, he can be a big guard, perhaps in the mold of a of a Ty Jerome or maybe a, a Joe Harris. Uh, definitely would like to see his three-point percentage increase. But that being said, it was on a very heavy volume. He was a high-volume shooter, and he was kind of having to create his own shot a lot. I do think he'll get higher-quality looks, so I would, I would look for that three-point percentage to increase. And a little fun fact for you, Kari, but – getting transfers from Merrimack and St. Thomas, something that both of those schools have in common is that they, they both recently um, stepped up to division one from uh, I think Merrimack was D two and St. Thomas was D three. And actually uh, Jordan minor, we probably should have seen in the NCAA tournament because Merrimack actually beat fairly Dickinson in the NEC title game. But uh, due to that transition rule, they were ineligible. So, so yeah, that's kind of my, my take on the the transfer picture there. Yeah. I mean, the ones that are going out, Caffaro, best of luck. Have nothing against him. Um, Shedrick, I'd love to see him in a KSU jersey because, honestly, if I could – as much as I want to dislike Duke, I've never seen a team in this day and age have such an incredible offseason. To return your NBA point guard – to return your borderline NBA like wing player and Mark Mitchell, to return your first round maybe lottery center, 
And then somehow, like, you still have a chance to get Caden Shedrick and you still have a good top class. Just two opposite ends of the spectrum, Duke getting guys back that I didn't expect to come back to college. UVA losing guys like Armand Franklin that I don't think will be drafted and probably would have benefited just from, like, having the chance to go after NIL in one more year, especially going into, like, a weaker draft class for 2024 compared to 2023. So just a little, little envious of the offseason that they're having. And then Isaac Trout, I mean, I feel like, yeah, like, he has promise. And, like, oh, yeah, he could have been great. But, like, we say it about everyone. Every top recruit that UVA gets, like, we always say, oh, they could be great. They could be fantastic. And sometimes they're great and fantastic. Sometimes they don't pan out. Like, Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome, they were great. Uh, Jabri, who's over at Georgia, he was our top guy. Didn't really pan out at UVA. Uh, to be absolutely electric when we got Austin Bills to transfer in, and that ended up horribly. So I think everyone, like, I've seen some takes on Twitter saying that, like, oh, we brought in BBP, and BBP may have, like, been the reason that Isaac Trout transferred because he didn't get a chance to play. I think, one, be better. If for those that, like, have thoughts that, oh, like, we should have not brought in someone else so the freshman could have gotten more minutes, the freshman has a chance to compete. Um, we had no problem benching Caden Shedrick. We had no problem playing Kihei as a freshman. We've had no problem playing others occasionally here and there. Isaac nearly earned his minutes and worked his way into the rotation. Same with Ryan Dunn. I think if he had the goods on day one and could have contributed, he would have been in that spot. So this isn't me saying that Isaac Trout's bad or that he didn't deserve the opportunity, but I feel like I've seen a lot of talk about promise, hype, and, oh, should have been him over BVP. And I just think that's a little hard to put into perspective. Um, and on the flip side, I think Tony Bennett doesn't really owe it to the freshmen, to be honest, like with the whole transfer portal, your job is to reconstruct the team pretty much every single year. Gone are the days of two, three-year planning. You kind of need to like go after the best thing available for you at all times. And we had a chance to make our team better. And I think that's what he did. So um, I wish him the best of luck at Creighton. I don't think he got into a better situation. I think he actually went to a more like crowded front court and I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see much of Isaac Trout in a Creighton uniform next season. It doesn't mean he's not talented. It doesn't mean I don't like think he's going to be great at some point in college. But I think if he was looking for immediate minutes, I don't think it was at Creighton. That's just my two cents. But, um, yeah. Any, any rebuttals to that, Sean? Or how's that sound to you? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd pretty much agree. Yeah, um, Creighton has Baylor Shireman returning. I don't know the status of Trey Alexander or Kaluma. Uh, I believe they may be returning, but then they also brought in Stephen Ashworth from Utah State. So, yeah, definitely it will be crowded over there. But, um, you know, hard to see him go, but do wish him the best. And, uh, yeah, so I quite <clears> agree. And, and, yeah, hopefully Shedrick does not end up at Duke, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. True. Well – Want to get into the coaches next? We also had um, to get into our rocky, rocky week. So uh, for those that don't follow this closely, it was almost a really, really awful start to the offseason for UVA. Before we even got um, some of these transfers in and some of the positive recruiting news, all it was was pain to begin with. So we talked about how we had guys leave, such as uh, Reese declaring for the draft, which he should. You have the ability to declare for the draft and keep your college up. 
that feedback, I think every young man with NBA aspirations at some point should take that opportunity. I believe you're capped at only being able to do it twice for early declaration. So you can declare once, get feedback, come back. The second time, I don't think you're able to do that. I'd have to double check on that. But, I mean, he's about to be a senior this upcoming year if he comes back. So now's the time to do it if he's going to do it. Um, so, But lost him, lost Armand, lost our transfers. We uh, lo- we came close to losing um, Coach Willie. There was a lot of talk about some jobs that were opening, uh, the coaching carousel. I think on our last episode, Sean, I was talking about one of my favorite things the offseason is coaching carousel, and we almost got bit really hard by it. So uh, the American job was open. Uh, Coach Willie was in the uh, candidacy for it. I believe, he was, I believe he was offered the job at American. Ooh. So yeah, even even bigger. So turning the job down in American, everything seemed fine. I also saw some news about uh, it would probably have to be the right opportunity for him to want to leave. And I think there were some whispers of, oh, like yeah, like a George Mason type kind of job. And Letty, like what do you know? Like a couple of days later, George Mason uh, has an opening with Kim English getting the job up at Providence, followed by Ed Cooley taking the job at Georgetown. Um, so that was the next big scare was, okay, is he going to leave for George Mason now? Like, is there a chance that they're going to be a factor? So that was the next big domino that could have fallen. Um, we were not able to make it out entirely unscathed. Uh, we did lose, uh, coach Getter to Notre Dame, a ACC transfer of coaches, but a great opportunity for him to go be an associate head coach. So wishing the best of luck, but always tough to lose a really high quality coach. Tony Bennett has always made sure to keep a really strong staff. So that was a tough one to witness, but just it's been a really big off season. If it's not us losing players, if it's not us losing tough tournament games, it's us losing coaches as well. So just a tough time to uh, be a UVA fan. Yeah. uh, Kyle Getter, you know, has a great reputation as a recruiter. Uh, I think he was the primary recruiter for Isaac Trout. Um, and I think he had some good relationships with some upcoming guys like Travis Perry, who's a 2024 guy, point guard. Um, so, yeah, he definitely had a great reputation as a recruiter. So we'll be missing that skill set on the recruiting trail. Um, that may have also played a part in why UVA did not land Robert Jennings, who is a uh, power forward from Texas Tech. But uh, definitely – some of that um, sadness was offset by retaining Jay Willie. Um, you know, Jay Willie, fan favorite, UVA alum and former player himself, very strong associate head coach and also a strong recruiter in his own regard. He's the primary recruiter for, um, for Jaron Stevenson. So it was definitely good to see him return. So, yeah, uh, I, I think we now have one spot left on the coaching staff. So it will be interesting to see – who Coach Bennett ultimately replaces Kyle Getter with. You know, there's opportunity to perhaps promote Johnny Carpenter or even Isaiah Wilkins, um, but he has no shortage of options outside of the current UVA coaching staff as well. Um, So, yeah, definitely it'll be interesting to see. Um, That as well as, you know, what we alluded to earlier, while there's been a lot of work that's been done with the incoming class of both high school recruits and transfers, I, I don't think we're done yet. We could see one to two more additions. So definitely still 
a busy off season to come despite all that's already happened so far. Yeah. So with all we've talked about so far, Sean, and like just looking at who's transferred in, who's transferred out, um, what do you envision being our starting lineup at this point in time? Yeah. So obviously depending on if Reese stays or leaves for now, I'll, you know, for this exercise, I'll work under the assumption that he's leaving. Um, So I would probably go with, I mean, I would definitely go with Dante Harris. He's, you know, the only other true point guard on the roster. So I would go with Dante Harris, Isaac McNeely. I would probably have Andrew Rohde at the three, Ryan Dunn at the four, and Jordan Minor at the five. And then I would say that um, I would expect Leon Bond to play pretty significant minutes off the bench as a wing. Uh, Tane Murray likely as well, and then uh, Blake Buchanan um, as a big man. So that's kind of how I would how I would see this starting lineup in rotation thus far. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's still so much to be determined. Don't know if Reese is going to come back, and don't know what other additions we'll have. How would you um, assess your kind of lineup and rotation at this point? I do see it pretty similarly. Um, I do think that like. Dante Harris, when he transferred in and when he committed, I believe all signs pointed to Reese likely coming back or staying another season. Um, So I feel like he must have transferred in with at least some understanding that next year would likely be a year on the bench. Not like not playing, but just not, oh, and starting at six foot Dante Harris, like being announced in the PA right away. Um, so I actually think we could slide Andrew Rode, um, in at the point guard. He is a combo guard with uh, some pretty elite size. Uh, I do think that Isaac McNeely would slot into that two guard position next to him. Um, if we need to bring someone forward, I would prefer to see Tane Murray come in at that three spot to add some additional shooting followed by um, Ryan Dunn at the four to continue to keep some floor spacing. Hopefully he works in his jump shot this offseason. Um, and then five at Jordan Minor. I would love for us to get a just solid center and be able to slide Jordan Minor in at the four just so we can go back to our usual mover blocker. If he can find a big man at five with some shooting touch, that would definitely help keep things a bit more spaced out. But I think – we have some options to play with. Uh, the chess pieces are not as uh, shiny or as uh, attractive as I thought they were going into this past season, but I do think there's still room for this team to grow. We have some guys that have played on different teams that haven't had a lot of minutes or a lot of opportunities yet, so we don't know what we're going to get yet. This could be a team that shocks and awes in hopefully the positive direction, so Really hoping for that, but I know, Sean, I spent a lot of time uh, on this pod talking about some of the negative or needs improvements that need to occur for UVA to be successful next season and going forward. Uh, Let's try to end the night in some positivity. What would you say has you most excited about next season, and what would you say is the next place that the UVA program needs to grow, whether that's the actual basketball team itself or the fandom? Yeah, um, so I think there's a few things uh, to highlight them. Year two of Isaac McNeely and Ryan Dunn, you know, I think both showed, like, really encouraging signs for true freshmen this year. 
And I think both are going to have bigger roles next year. I think Ryan Dunn could be a defensive ace. I think he's uh, like a perfect modern day four. Would like to see him, you know, become a more reliable outside shooter and overall offensive threat, but he just oozes with potential and athleticism. So definitely stoked for that. Definitely also excited for Isaac McNeely. I think he could be our next dead eye shooter. I think he, you know, had a great freshman year. He kind of could be our next uh, Kyle guy, you could say. Um, So definitely excited for year two of those guys. I would also say that I feel very confident about our wing position. So between McNeely, Rhodey, even Tane Murray, Leon Bond, I'm pretty high on. Um, So I I think – Then where UV? We'll see what happens in the front court, but I, I still feel like we need you know one more piece there. So that's kind of what I'm. Trying not want to repeat that. I think we uh, lost you a little bit there. All right, it looks like I'm flying solo to close this thing out. Um, well, although Sean did not get a chance to ask me back in return, because I guess he is going through a tunnel or something, or AirPods died, you know, just us 21st century millennial problems. But uh, things I look forward to next year, as Sean was saying, we have um, super impressive. And then I just think with Reese, uh, hopefully coming back, I think he could definitely lead us to a lot of great positions and just really help take the throne. And it'd be awesome to see how he does when he gets the full keys to the offense and where UVA needs to go next. I think as a fandom, I think we need to be a bit more critical, um, not like in a negative way, like, oh, these guys are the worst or this coach is terrible, but like have high expectations. I think UVA is right at that cusp of being a bona fide, consistent blue blood program. Um, UConn's one of the big boys now after fifth national championship. Villanova is one of the big boys with two national championships. Obviously, you have your UNCs, your Dukes, your Kentuckys, et cetera. But I think we are knocking at that next tier right below. And I think to be able to hold on to that tier or to break into a tier higher, we have to really demand more and appreciate that the reason why we're here is because of all the work that the players and coaching staff have put in to make this team and program successful. And uh, I'd be remiss if I missed a chance to use a great Spider-Man quote, but uh, with great power comes great responsibility. And I think we have a responsibility to continue to try to be as successful as possible, but um, let's check in. Sean, you back with us? Yeah. Did I, uh, sorry about that. Did I, did my audio cut off mid while I was talking or yeah, audio cut off a little bit. Sounded like you dropped your uh, phone, microphone, whatever down a flight of stairs. And then you went through a <laughs> tunnel and got into a boxing match and lost pretty badly. So um, it'd be fun for me to try to edit or clean that up towards the end, but yeah, any uh, parting words, I'll give you a chance to re-answer the question since uh, we didn't get a full crystal clear answer from you. Yeah, sorry about that. What happened is my AirPods died in the middle of while I was talking. So now I'm just holding my phone up to my ear. So sorry about that. But yeah, I mean, I'd say, you know, definitely keep your eyes peeled for 
what's to come in the off season. I would expect um, there to be another addition or two. Um, and yeah, I, you know, time to start getting excited for the 23, 24 season. Um, so, so yeah, this might kind of be our, our last official pod of, of season one, but you know, we'll see what other developments come and, and maybe we'll have some, some more news to talk about over the summer or um, start to get ready for next year. So maybe, Oh, Sean, we're just getting started. We got a full off season to go through. Uh, for, the, for the listeners, be prepared. Uh, hopefully, UVA will continue to make big moves. We'll hopefully have some pretty big announcements uh, for the schedule. A lot of the schedule stuff happens in the offseason. There's the 2025 recruiting class, EYBL going out to recruits. Sean, we're not getting a break just yet. It's slowing down, but we're not pumping the brakes just yet. We got a few more to pump out, and then next thing you know, it'll be time for uh, October to come back around. And it's right back into season two. I like I like the sound of that. All right. Well, as always, uh, go Hoos. Thanks for joining.